welcome to Lending Forward, a podcast where we're lending every bit of what we know to our listeners. From real conversations and lessons learned deep within the industry to education and forward thinking, together we're Lending Forward. And as always, don't forget to subscribe to our channels and connect with us on www.atlanticbay.com. Atlantic Bay Mortgage Group, LLC, NMLS number 72043, NMLSconsumeraccess.org is an equal opportunity lender. Located at 600 Lynn Haven Parkway, Suite 203, Virginia Beach, Virginia, 23452. We can just dive in. So from what I know and what I have experienced with you, Jew, live coaching is your passion. So thank you so much for coming on here to talk about it. You're welcome. Well, so for those who might not know much about you, like I do, 12 whole weeks long. I, I'm so excited. We're on week five, almost. Week like five. That, right. I know it's crazy. Yeah. Well, tell, tell the listeners how you found your way into coaching. My story is interesting. So I cut my teeth in the mortgage business starting in 1997. At that age as me, I was eight and a half years old. <laughs> I was an opener and that's a lot like a processor, but basically the loan officer and mortgage banker would give me a paper 1003 that was handwritten And then I had to put it into the system. But what ended up happening was I started training all of the new openers, so to speak, how to do their job. And then I created a training manual. And it was where I found my love for teaching was me teaching new employees how to do the role. And in every role that I had, I was always the one who was like, oh, I'll create a training manual. Oh, I'll do this. Oh, I'll do that. And that's where I really found my love for the classroom. And that's where I found my love in the classroom in the mortgage business and started teaching people how to do things. But then, I mean, I missed out and missed being a producer in the field. And so I would go back to being a salesperson, right? I went back to being a a loan officer. And then I would find myself back in the classroom. So it was kind of this very unique role where I went from a salesperson to someone in the classroom. And that is really where I found my passion. But I had a role as a branch manager. And the reason I had that role was because somebody in the classroom was like, what you're teaching in the classroom doesn't work in the real world. And I was like, heck yes, it does. You want me to prove to you that it works in, you know, it works in real life. So they gave me this really crappy branch and they're like, fix it. If if everything works so well, just go ahead and do it. And I did. And I turned the branch around. I made it really successful. And I proved that everything we were teaching in the classroom is all about implementing. Wow. Just so silly. Anyway. So I got recruited into a coaching role because somebody found me on LinkedIn and they said, based on your sales experience, based on your classroom experience, have you ever thought about coaching? And I was like, "Mm, tell me, tell me more. But that's really what it comes down to is I am definitely a salesperson with a teacher's heart. And that's how I, that's how I found my passion and found my way into coaching. Wow. I love that. I mean, it's so, it's refreshing because we all in the sales world, there's not a lot of manuals for these things, right? right. So I yeah. think sometimes it's it's so refreshing to hear somebody who's been in the field. Because a lot of times, what is that saying? Those who don't coach. So it's like, but that's not the case for you. Like you have, you have been boots on the ground and then learn from your experiences so much so to where you've made this platform to where you're just kind of showing what worked. It is so funny that you say that because I would say that's one of the horrible reputations of trainers and coaches is that they can't do it. 
And I will say not, not accurate in my life. In fact, I call myself a salesperson first and a coach second. I'm always going to be a salesperson. Well, you do. I mean, you kind of have to sell yourself in what you're doing anyway. So there's still some flexibility there too. And you are actually helping us here at Atlantic Bay. You know, we're doing a 12-week class course with you and talking all things prospecting and honing in on that target audience of who you're really trying to get in front of to create relationships, to keep in touch, all that. So what would you say, given your past career and still ongoing career, is one memorable story from a coaching platform that might have been a teaching moment for you when it comes to prospecting? Well, I'm actually going to use one of my own experiences as a true salesperson. So, and I think I shared this story with you before, but it was when I, when I was a, a loan officer and we had a realtor blitz, meaning we had to go out and make a bunch of sales calls and everything. And I am all about a good contest. So I (laughs) spent my entire weekend going to all of these open houses to meet all these new realtors. And I was so chicken and didn't know what to say that I just went as a shopper to 11 houses over the weekend. And what I really learned from that experience is when you are going out prospecting, you have to have a plan because the more you wing it, the worse you're going to sound. And I remember going back to my branch manager that following Monday and I was an idiot. I did this, I did that. And I didn't make a single sales call and putting together my script of what I wanted to say and how you have to have a plan and a strategy because winging it is not a strategy. Like walking up to an office or walking up to a house where you're going to talk to a realtor and make a sales call. That's not a strategy because you have to have a strategy. And that was the reason why I put this 12-week plan together that you're in the middle of right now is because there are way too many sales reps who just wing it and they introduce themselves and with a hope and a prayer, they think that they're going to be able to do it. And that's not a strategy. What you have to do is put a strategy together. What are you going to say? How are you going to say it? So that you have that confidence to be able to walk in and make a really great sales call. A lot of people, whether they're starting out or right now, the climate being the way that it is, and you really have to be prospecting. Would you say that that strategy kind of has like bones and you fill it in? And if so, what are those bones that we can kind of just touch on? So, okay. Creating a buying atmosphere. You are not going to be a fit for every single person that you talk to. So don't go into a sales meeting with the assumption that you're going to be doing business together after your sales call. Instead, go in there with the attitude of, if we're a fit, that's great. If not, that's okay too. Because just by taking that pressure off of yourself, by assuming that every single sales call you're going to make is going to be a new business partner for you, is not fair. And it really doesn't set you up for success. The second thing is when you're putting your strategy together, what do you want to do? Because when you reach out to somebody and you say, I'm just reaching out to circle back with you or touch base or how's the market? Those are such lame openers versus saying, hey, by the way, did you know that we specialize in product? Or did you know that we'll partner with you here? Because when you reach out with the value, That is a completely different conversation than winging it or circling back or touching base. 
because those are just wasting, those calls are just wasting your time and your referral partner's time. So it is the it is the strategy behind what is your message you're going after versus being a dummy dialer who's just hoping, hoping that something comes from it. Yeah, you definitely can't. Ha- and, and that takes like an edge off of you in a, from a salesy to salesy standpoint. Right. Yeah, I love that. But I, I mean, I know that there, that fear of going in and you're just because it's okay to say no. And that's, what are you coaching when, I mean, because it, it deflates, right? When you get a no, you, you're deflated. It's hard. Maybe you did a lot for a, a full day of open houses and you get that no and it sucked the fun right out of your day. So how do you kind of coach through that? So I am a major advocate of affirmations. And this has been, this goes back to the days where I used a pickup phone to prospect versus just having my earbuds in with my cell phone. And I had this written out and it's an affirmation statement that I use with all of my clients. And especially in today's world is that my job is to make a list and cross people off that list. Some will say yes, some will say no but I need both to have a great day. Some will, some won't. So what? Who's next? Who's next? Who's next? So after practicing that for years, you really get it in your mind that I'm not a fit for everybody. I mean, even me as a coach, Skillway is not a fit for everybody. And we're okay with that. But the faster that you can get past that no and be like, sweet, who's next? And you have that strategy of, I'm never going to let this one no ruin my day because there's always going to be a Mr. No Joy in your life who's going to deflate you and you're going to feel like you got beat up. But honestly, Taylor, what you have to do is create this hard candy shell that you're just going to create some resilience. And who's next? I love that. Thank you. Thank you for being a no. Who's next? Right. And going Job well done. Right. It was so funny because I even used that on somebody once where I said, my goal is to set three meetings for today. And the sooner you tell me no, just means I can get to the next person. But if you set, tell me, yes, we can have a meeting, then you are my one for three. And they just started laughing and they're like, thank you for making me part of your process. And we ended up having a really great meeting together. Yeah. I see. I mean, it's just even saying that, you know, and making decisions quicker earlier on in the conversation is so, so nice and and able to get on to the next one, right? Well, so I want to dive in a little bit into coaching as a whole. Okay. So how would someone know, whether it be someone in sales or someone else listening to this, how would you know that you might need a coach? What are some of those indicators? My favorite indicator is that you know you still have room for growth. It doesn't matter if you make $100,000 a year or a million dollars a year. If you know that you still have room for growth, whether it's in expanding your attitude or your sales process and your sales strategy or time management, there are always opportunities for us to grow. And if you are looking at yourself and saying, how did that person do that last year? You still have room for growth. We have clients in our coaching program who are in their 20s. We have people in our coaching program who are in their 60s. So I don't ever let that lame excuse of like, I've been in the industry for 25 years. My business is great. I don't need coaching. Lame. No, <laughs> you. if you know in your heart that you still have room for growth and it might be just tweaking your process, one of my favorite missions is what got you here won't get you there. 
So as your business continues to grow, what got you to a million a month in revenue, which is our first goal we always want to get to as you know, as a mortgage banker, and then finally getting to that process where you are at $7 million a month, what got you here is not going to get you there. And you have to have that coachability, so to speak, that you're willing to put in and, and know what it's going to take. So it's, it's room for growth, either mental sales process or, or in time management. And I want to stop you because you said the word coachability, right? Yeah. Unpack that for us. What does being coachable look like? So it is so funny and I'm going to use, I'm going to draw a picture for those of you who are listening as well. Like our comfort zone is as big as the circle that you can make with your hands and all of the action takes place outside your comfort zone. But if you have a fixed comfort zone and you want all of the action to take place in the little tiny circle you can make with your hands, you're not coachable. So there's a couple of things that I'm going to maybe talk about like coachable traits so to speak, versus what this really means. But one of the things is asking yourself, how can I make this work for me versus having that fixed mindset of this won't work for me, right? Maybe you're an avid learner. So you are always watching videos. You're listening to podcasts. Thank you for listening. You're reading books, which is audio or a physical book that you're reading. But that avid learner mindset of I'm not the smartest person in the room and I want to learn from somebody else is another amazing coachable trait. Another one that I love is accountability. Brene Brown says that transparency is the foundation of accountability. So are you willing to talk about what your flaws are? Are you willing to say, this is, this is my situation and this is where I need to change? So do you know that you can be transparent with someone that is then going to help you. And when you say, it's one of my favorite sayings, like if she can, I can, or if he can, I can. Like you look at somebody and you're like, that person's no more special than I am, right? And you know that that you still have that room. That's where you can look at it. And then of course, that like growth mindset versus that, that fixed mindset where you're looking and saying, I have a growth mindset. I can implement new ideas. I have opportunity for growth. Those are those things that are incredibly important for, you know, being coachable. But I will also say, Taylor, that there's some things of like lacking confidence is not necessarily an uncoachable trait, but they almost look at it and they're like, meh, that's too hard. I'm not going to go, I'm not even going to try it because they don't want to put themselves out there. And that's that whole comfort zone thing right? As well. Or you say, you know what? You, you'll just never understand my situation. My situation as a salesperson is so unique. You would never understand how hard it is for me to find prospects. Those are some uncoachable traits, but it is that whole thing. I mean, I know within seconds of talking, minutes of talking with somebody, whether or not they're coachable or not. And it really comes down to how transparent they're willing to be in sharing their current situation or saying, I can't figure this out. And I'm willing to be vulnerable enough to share my situation so that I can have room for growth on the other side. Wow. That's amazing. And it's a lot. And the drive, it really does take a drive. You have to want to get better. You have to want to grow and perhaps even get out of that bubble. I mean, you can't stay there forever. You said it. Yes, you can't. I mean, 
mean, you can stay there forever. It's just going to be boring. (laughs) Exactly. Well, so last question, lend forward to us what you're coaching right now. What are you hearing in the industry that needs coaching? Well, I am going to go and it's so applicable to the 12 week training that you're going through with, with your team. And there have been too many people who have sat back on their laurels and were fat and happy with refis that they did not nurture the relationship with their referral partners that they needed to. And now that's your only opportunity for growth is to rely on your referral sources. And so what I want to say to that is whether or not you lost the relationship, if there's room for growth within a relationship, evaluate all of those things and don't be too big or ego or whatever you want to say to know that you have to look for some new referral sources. And if you need to have a difficult conversation that you weren't there for them or whatever it might be, again, it's time to fall on the sword because that's going to be your only opportunity for that. And put a strategy together on how you're going to reach out. That's what this 12-week program is about. It takes such a long time to deepen relationships with referral sources that it, before you know it, it's a year before you have that deep relationship with somebody. So instead of letting it take a whole year, squash that down to 12 weeks. Reach out with purpose every single week. And it doesn't have to be just phoning or texting. Come up with some creative ideas. See them in person. Host an event. Do different things that are going to make you stand out and be unique. Because if you're just going to blend in with everybody, your business is not going to grow during this time. But if you're willing to put in the effort and say, what got me here is not going to get me there because by God, the last two years have been glorious for us in the mortgage space. And now you're going to have to do things that are more unique and quite a bit different. So you have to put that strategy and that effort in for that growth mindset and know that that what got you here isn't going to get you there. We don't get to sit fat and happy with refis anymore. That's right. So much Today. good stuff. That's right, right? <laughs> well, thank Today. you so much, Do, for joining us today. We uh, love your presence. 12 weeks is awesome. And I can't wait to hear more from you. So thanks for joining us today. You are so welcome. Take care. Thank you. Thanks again for listening to the Lending Forward podcast powered by Atlantic Bay Mortgage Group. Don't forget to tune in next week and make sure you subscribe to our channel. Remember, we all play a part in lending forward. So go lend something forward today.